Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. Welcome to Plan Francisco. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz, and today we have the privilege of speaking with Ella Taylor. Ella's backstory is so unique and special. We're also going to talk about the hands-on innovation that she and her team are bringing to the community and her practical advice around anyone interested in the FIRE movement. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Ella, how did you get your start in the financial planning world? Um, so, I don't know if you know this, Max, but I was a pastry chef a million years ago, um, and I wanted to open my own bakery, so I got my degree in entrepreneurship, and then I was young and kind of lost, and so um, I decided to move to the Bay Area, where I ended up going back to school, and I went back to school for women's studies, and one day I was sitting in class looking around, and I was like, we're very passionate people, but none of us really have the skills to help women like we want to. Sure. Um, and coincidentally, at the same time, my grandfather died. And I started helping my grandma with her finances. Um, and having kind of the business background, I realized I loved it. And so I switched my major to business. Um, and some friends of mine introduced me to a financial planner. And they were like, I think you'll love this. It'll meet your need to help women and... Um, do finance and so I interned with her and I I loved it Mm -hmm. and so I switched to personal finance and I got my uh, CFP the certified financial planning um, certification and then I went into the world of ideally helping women (laughs) so right out of the gate you you went for your CFP I did I think um, as soon as I started interning and realized how much mm. I loved it, well, and it meets my need for knowing everything about everyone. Sure. Because I feel like I'm really curious about people, but then also the side of being able to help them. And so it met, it seemed like the perfect fit for all my passions. And then also the numbers and the finance, I just, yeah. I loved it. Can you talk a little bit more about what the CFP brings to the table, just as far as that, that comprehensive education Well, that's exactly what it is. And so the CFP is great because it gives you kind of the basis. It's funny, everyone at work makes fun of me because I use baking terms for everything. I just relate (laughs) it back to a pastry chef. So relatable. I feel like it's the exact same thing where you go to pastry school and they teach you all the science behind how to make things. And Mm. so then when you go out into the world and start making your own pastries, you could be like, oh, if I add more flour, I need to add more liquid or, you know, whatever it is. And so the CFP does the same thing where it gives you kind of the groundwork. Mm-hmm. And so you have the basic knowledge. And then when someone comes to you, you have the basic knowledge, but then you can also tailor it for what they need specifically. Gotcha. And so it gives you just kind of groundwork, if you will. Yeah. Um, but also the CFP is really nice because it differentiates you from... Other anyone could call themselves a financial planner, but it differentiates you in that you have a higher level of education, but also you have fiduciary standards where mm. you have to put your client's best interest mm. before your own. Very good. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Robichotti and Philipson? 
Um, so I am a wealth manager here. And what that means is I work with um, clients, for the most part, one-on-one -on -one doing financial planning for them, where um, I help them look at all the parts of their financial life and figure out what is the best way to use their assets to meet their goals. Perfect. Um, and then, just a side note, as we're growing, we're branching out into financial education. And so... Oh, cool because it's really prohibitive for our firm to meet with people one-on-one -on -one. Mm -hmm. we don't get the broad scope of helping all the people that we want to help mm -hmm. um and so we're going to start doing financial education for many people to help give them the groundwork so that they can really figure out what their financial life should look like oh, that's great so it's a little bit more of like a maybe a b2b pivot compared to that um uh, direct to consumer sort no of? it's still going to be direct to consumer but rather than me meeting with just one person mm -hmm. we're going to do group education oh, that's for wonderful. lots of people oh good um because it's really hard in our industry to get unbiased financial education. Sure. Um, and there's just so much noise. It's hard to figure out what you should be listening to, what you should be doing. Without and so having someone that you trust giving you education, um, it, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a game changer. Do you have any idea what sort of subjects you guys are going to shine a light on to start out? You know, it's funny. We were talking about this yesterday. Um, I I want to tailor it for what people need. Mm -hmm. And so depending on who's coming to the workshops, I think that'll change it. But sure. I really want to talk about cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, I know budgeting's a bad word, but, you know... <laughs> But thinking about, you know, how you use your money and how your money is meeting your values. Right. Um, possibly risk management, debt, investments, hopefully the whole gamut of financial literacy would awesome. be my goal. And with regard to who's showing up, I understand you guys have a maybe not a specific subset of clients, but you certainly have a unique clientele, I think, mm -hmm. here. Can you talk a little bit more about where you guys have positioned yourselves as experts in this business? Yeah, um, so we work with a lot of LGBTQ people, mm -hmm. um, but we also have a significantly younger client base okay. than a lot of other financial planners, and um, many of our clients are really, um, philanthropically driven mm -hmm. and really want to invest using their values and spend their money in a way that mm. uh, meets their values. Um, and so in this space, we kind of specialize in, I realize that's a broad group of people I just mentioned, but <laughs> we kind of specialize in, um, I guess, people that don't meet the broader financial planning model that many other firms work with. That is a lot more specific than I think most advisory groups have, have considered. So <laughs> oh, good. kudos yeah. to you for that. No, absolutely. So what, what are some of those specific needs in the LGBT community um, um, specifically? Well, so um, before um, gay marriage became legal, I had a designation, well, I still have the designation. It's called accredited domestic partner advisor. Hmm. And what it is and was is for people who 
um, couldn't get married or didn't get married for various reasons mm. um, and how to make sure that you are taking care of your partner, um, that you're able to structure your finances in a way that if something were to happen to one of you, mm. you would both have equal rights okay. to um, your assets. Um, and then once gay marriage became legal, a lot of people were talking about that um, LGBTQ financial planning was going to go away, and I, I haven't seen that because um, people want to work with people who understand them, mm-hmm. right? And as a queer person myself, um, it gives me a unique perspective into understanding other people's relationships mm-hmm. and other people's um, kind of the way our relationships are set up aren't necessarily along the same gender roles mm-hmm. that a lot of straight couples have set up. Um, and then same with um, kind of gender expression mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately also family dynamics right. come into it frequently mm-hmm. where you want to make sure that you're taking care of your spouse or your, you know, your loved one may they be same sex just in case something happened and your family didn't necessarily feel the same way Mm -hmm. um just making sure that everything's taken care of the way that you want it to be taken care of no that's great and you also mentioned that your 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 clientele kind of skews a little bit younger as well that's interesting so what are some of the strategic differences you've had to employ with that segment yeah that's been extremely interesting Mm -hmm. and we um we have a lot of younger people who don't meet necessarily the traditional financial planning model right. where you have your job and you save for retirement and you have a limited amount of funds to save for retirement and um, you know, you're thinking about health insurance and all kind of the basic things that um, traditional financial planning would think about where some of our clients are really young and they don't know if they're going to have kids or if they're going to buy a house or what their retirement will look like. There's just such a long time for things to change. Um, And then also a lot of our younger clients have really um, big philanthropic goals. Mm -hmm. And so part of what we've done is implemented what we call lifetime income planning, where we figure out how much money do you have and then how do you segment that out to kind of span your life. And so we figure out how much do you need to save for retirement? How do you fund your goals? Um, How much do you need to supplement your own income and your own living expenses? And then how much can you give away? Mm -hmm. And so it's a completely different model than the traditional financial planning model. Sure. Um, And then also having that piece of how much money you can give away is not what most financial advisors recommend Um, whereas we have a philanthropic coach on staff who to helps figure out once you know the planners help you figure out how much you can give away then we help you figure out what are your main philanthropic goals how long do you want to give the money away for what does that look like Um, and it's it's so much fun and it builds a more cohesive relationship and kind of a um, a more fun relationship, I think. Good. And that, I mean, that just sounds so different than a lot of the, you know, if, if you think about 
some of these trends and movements that are kind of up and coming. I think the Wall Street Journal recently did a piece about this fire movement, which is, uh, you know, not akin to the fire festival, which was a, which was crash <laughs> not, and burn, but uh, but it's F I R E. It stands for uh, financial independence, retire early. It sounds like this lifetime income strategy is actually almost antithetical to that sort of short term <laughs> thinking, uh, but not not so much. I mean, you're really talking about really lifetime income for the long haul. Yeah. Um, so can you just address why or, or you know what your what your thoughts are around this fire movement if if it seems like something that's in in keeping with what you're seeing with your younger clients? You know, it's interesting because I think when I hear fire movement, I think about not working, mm-hmm. right? The goal is to stop working. Right, yeah. Whereas what I've seen with even our um older clients who are getting ready to retire you retire at, you know, 60 or 70 and you figure you're going to live to 100. What are you going to do for those 30 to 40 sure. years? Yeah. And so kind of the goal is to um, make work optional, right? And okay. part of it is to think about what do you love to do and make your life a lo- I'm trying to think of how to say it right. There's not necessarily a cutoff for retirement, right? right. There's not like, I work now and then I retire here. Mm-hmm. It's more of a long-term spectrum of my work will just keep going and keep evolving and keep changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, well, my thoughts around the FIRE movement is the idea of um, having more flexibility over your lifetime mm. rather than the traditional model of work and then retire. If a client came to me and talked about wanting to work towards the fire movement, I think my thoughts would be, um, one, why do you want to retire early? Sure. Two, what are you going to do in retirement? I know on the weekends I spend way more money than I do during the week, <laughs> yeah, right? Every day and is so, Saturday. <laughs> exactly. And so how do you fund all that time of not working? And then also, what do you spend your time doing that makes you feel good and valued if you stop working so young. Right. Um, yeah, so I think it comes down to more than just money in that situation. All good questions. And, you know, with this younger clientele, it sounds like you've probably had to employ a few different um, tactics. You're not just an investment advisor anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. You're <laughs> you're doing truth. so much more. <laughs> so what what are some assignments that you've been tasked with in this in this maybe somewhat more of a guidance role? You know, it's interesting that you say that. So um, I started a life coaching program, and I know life coaching is a very loaded term, right. and many people think of it as a very hokey thing. Um, but really what I want to use it for is to help our clients figure out what their goals are mm. so that I can help them to meet those goals. Because what I found was happening as clients would come in and we would say, okay, so you have this much money, this is what you should do. And it became kind of a polarizing relationship Mm -hmm. where it's actually I'm holding the plan and it's not the client's plan. Um, 
And so then we're both working toward my plan, which isn't necessarily their goals. Hmm. And so um, what I want to do with the coaching and what I've been working on is trying to help clients really figure out what their goals are and what they enjoy doing and then help them have the tools to do what they want to do with their money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and especially because a lot of our clients are so young um, and things are going to change over such a long time frame, just kind of figuring out how to get them directionally correct with their finances rather than like a set it and forget it plan because that won't work for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being kind of a sounding board for them and helping them um, really figure out in a broader sense what they want to do with their money because they are so young and um, I come with a lot of financial experience mm-hmm. um, and kind of trying to meld those two Beautiful. of their youth and their goals and their excitement with the you know, that this is what you need to do right. <laughs> philosophy and kind of bridging that gap. Right. Oh, that's Does great. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. That is, I mean, just a definitely a nuanced approach to how we interact with <laughs> financial planning clients these days. I mean, I, I don't know a lot of um, firms that have brought that level of, um, uh, you know, that have woven that much, you know, character and personal um, uh, experience into their framework. So, what else do you think is going to be changing in the next five to ten years? Is there any other sort of innovation that you guys are taking on, or is there some sort of reaction that you're you're planning for for other events or other yeah. other changes in the market? That's a great question. So we launched a social justice portfolio last year, um, and the social justice portfolio goes beyond just socially responsible investing. Um, into broader social aspects. And as a firm of mostly women and people of color and LGBTQ people, we really, really want our investments to meet our values. Mm -hmm. And we were finding our clients really wanted um, the same thing. And we were struggling finding traditionally socially responsible investments that really... um, had the same values that we have. And so we created this portfolio where we have certain industries that we don't invest in, um, but then we also added a community component to it where my social justice definition, I'm sure, differs from yours, Max, Mm -hmm. differs from all of our clients, and so we wanted to have community input in it and so um, we have quarterly meetings with our investors to talk about what our portfolio should be invested in what it shouldn't be invested in so that we can be really um, I can't think of the right word but kind of uh, proactive in our investment approach um, where so far we've covered um, like in the, uh, investing in firms that support the NRA. Mm. Um, how does that play out in the portfolio? How does not investing in those companies change the portfolio? Mm-hmm. Um, and with the broader goal of impact. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make the world 
it sounds so hokey, but make the world a better place. (laughs) Um, And one of the ways to do that is through money and investing where your um, money will make the most difference. In business school, we always talked about you vote with your dollar. And so wherever you spend your money, you're basically saying, I approve this by spending your money there. And so... We don't want to invest in companies that we feel are hurting the world and society. Um, We do want to invest in companies who are trying to make a difference in the world and trying to make the world better. Um, And we've found not only with our clients, but, but also we've gotten a lot of new clients and a lot of the younger People really want to invest in a way that meets their values. Yeah. Um, and I really think that that is the trend that the financial industry is going in, to get back to your question, right. of um, people really want to um, be more engaged with their money and their finances. And this last election and the political environment we're in now has definitely heightened that awareness Mm -hmm. of um, people wanting to do good and really wanting to feel like they're making a difference. Um, We talk about emotions a lot in our Mm -hmm. firm and how emotions are guiding your, um, your choices and especially your investment choices. And I think Um, having all of your money pieces or, you know, all of your finances aligned with your values Mm -hmm. create some sort of, I don't know, a feeling of well-being. Sure. And that, um, and you can see it with clients where they come in and they're, um, they're not happy with the investments that they're in. They're not spending their money in a way that they feel good about. Mm. And, um, one of the things that we talk about in cash flow is back to the investing in um, a way that aligns with your values, but also spending your money hmm. in a way that aligns with your values. And so one of the things we do is we do a values clarification exercise with our clients of hmm. what are your values. Hmm. And then as we go through cash flow, we look at what are you spending your money on that does meet your values and what doesn't meet your values. Mm-hmm. Um just so that people can feel really good about their financial life and feel like they're all values aligned in all sides of their finances. Yeah, that's great. I mean, anytime you have an opportunity to remove that dissonance, whatever it is, you know, that is going to empower you so much, I think. Yeah. Yeah, And and our financial world, I think, is made to create that dissonance, right? Where you're incentivized to have a high personal return at the expense of, you know, the world and other people. Whereas I think you can have a really good investment return, Mm. but also invest in a way that is helping other people in the planet and, you know, creating that cohesion in how you use your money. That's great. It's so fun to see. Very cool. It ties in so well to the, I mean, the philanthropic focus that you guys have here too. You know, it's not just about the socially responsible investing, but where you're actually allocating your dollars at the exactly. end of the day. Yeah. Well, and part of it is not investing in companies that are hurting the environment and then donating to environmental 
Right. Oh nonprofits, right? Yeah. The, you, because you're just basically at a net. <laughs> and I don't know. You're yeah. netting out your own donation s- there. I can see the, uh, yeah, the, the psychological, you know, backflips that you have to do to, try to make <laughs> exactly. that work. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, this has been a really great conversation. Can you tell us the best way for your fans to get in touch with you? Oh, I like the term fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the best way to get in touch with us is to email our firm. Um, you can go to our website at robashoti.com. Okay. Uh, or you can email me directly at ella at robashoti.com. Um, we love to talk to anyone who's looking for financial help. I, one of my goals in life is to help people have a better financial life. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And, you know, we look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you, Max. This was a wonderful opportunity. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe and visit us again soon here at Plan Francisco.